Hey, you guys, it's your host, Julian. For those that celebrate, happy Thanksgiving from my family to yours. If you don't celebrate, I hope you have a great day surrounded by loved ones. This week, I'm chatting Arnold's Thanksgiving with Hey Arnold creator, Mr. Craig Bartlett. And I'm joined by my podcasting brother, one half of the dynamic duo of my favorite podcast, Whiskey Lodian, Ty. Check the show notes if you want to become a patron and help support this show. Now, let's get on to my chat with the great Craig Bartlett. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's in My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian. Today, I'm joined by Ty. Ty, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going fantastic, man. And the man, the myth, the legend himself, the guy that is in part of why we had such an amazing childhood, Mr. Craig Bartlett. Craig, how are you, sir? I'm good. It's good to see you, Bob. Oh, man, it's great to see you. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, happy Thanksgiving. So I figure we'll kick this off with a little bit of what we're thankful for. And uh, Ty, man, we'll go first. We're going to save the the best for last with old Craig here, but Ty gets to go first. What do you think? Okay, okay. I am so thankful that my, uh, my daughter was not colicky like my son was yeah. and that she has been such an easy baby comparatively uh You're and i still love wood. Um, dearly but this has definitely been a breeze beautiful <laughs> all right and uh before we get to to craig man what i'm thankful for is i'm thankful for this family that i have uh this podcast that i'm running these two gentlemen right here like i said craig uh you were a huge part of my childhood and so many of our childhoods man um and just type getting to sit here and call you my friend and get you called my podcast and brother man i'm thankful for you too man so let's kick it off with craig man what are you thankful for all right let's go around the table and say what we're thankful <laughs> for <laughs> by the way that was a, a that's been a family tradition in my house since yeah. i was a kid we would go around the table before we ate and if you were starving, so much the more poignant. But uh, yeah, um, I'm thankful. I'm really thankful that in this year, uh, the COVID seems to have retreated to the point where we can get back on airplanes and fly to the places we want to go. And I, 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 as the world grows more and more strange, the more I want to travel and see it. And I, I, I got, I'm back into traveling again and really enjoying it. And so I'm thankful for that. Beautiful, man. And there's uh, nothing more strange than the three uh, different Thanksgivings that we got to all inhabit while watching this uh, Arnold's Thanksgiving episode. Great segue, right, Ty? I know. I'm crushing it already. It was a beautiful segue, (laughs) man. Uh, But we got to uh, see three different Thanksgivings. It opens up, you know, with uh, uh, Mr. Simmons putting on a Thanksgiving I mean, technically, we saw four. We saw what was the the dream, what we want Thanksgiving Mm. to be. And then we saw it broken down three different ways of this is what you wanted. Here's what you got. Ooh, right. beautiful. Beautiful. Um, let's kick it off with Craig, man. How does this one come about? Does Nickelodeon say, hey, we want to do a Thanksgiving uh, special for Arnold? Uh, did you want to do this story? How does this one play out? Uh, we we uh, ourselves uh, made our, our only one special, you know, in season one, uh, the mm-hmm. Christmas special. And it was our last one. And so we that was our our first big experiment with doing a 22 minute longer form story. And so then after that, season two, we did um, uh, Arnold's Valentine. Mm-hmm. And then in season three, we kind of went nuts. It, I consider season three to be like the, this 100%. You know, we were just like going gangbusters in season three and things were kind of blowing up in all directions. And so Parents Day, the, the 60th one, uh, Thanksgiving, which I believe was uh, fifty six. And then um, school play, 59. So there were three half-hour specials in that one. And so we simply went, let's do another, besides Parents' Day and school play, let's do another holiday. And uh, we had done Christmas. We had done Halloween. 
So, you know, the fall triumvirate, let's do Thanksgiving. And so we had that idea and that, and then we, we uh, got to work on it and we thought, well, okay, how about contrasting Thanksgiving's Helga's house uh, and, uh, and Arnold's and grandma getting her holidays mixed up was already kind of established by then. And so that was the bones of that story. It, the, the way it developed into the story that it is, is it really, that's a cool story in itself. Well, uh, with, with, with that being said, how much of these stories that are intertwining comes from personal experiences, whether it's you, whether it was Joe, Steve, anybody get some stuff in this episode that was them or their, their stories? Uh, only to me that I wrote that scene where Bob says, let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for. And the, mm-hmm. the idea that Helga would say, I am thankful for absolutely nothing was we knew that would be like a, a, a bomb going off. That's a really, and I thought it's played beautifully that the four Patakis are when the four of them are doing a scene together, I'm in heaven. And cause they're so funny. The four actors are so funny. And, yeah. uh, the that scene, I love the way it plays. It, it, the the you know Jim's music goes Duh! like what? As the, all three of them sit up and stare at Helga for saying that blasphemy, and then Miriam goes, "Oh hell, you gotta say something." <laughs> and and nope, can't think of a thing. And and Olga, in a rare moment of of uh, you know empathy for Helga says leans in and goes and it beautifully acted the, that sequence was drawn storyboarded by kelly james a terrific terrific pataki uh artist and the, you know check it out olga leans in to help her little sister and goes maybe helga needs a minute to think of something and her eyes get a little big like come on you know i'm throwing you a rope and and helga folds her arms and goes no nothing and then Bob, all right, you know, I'm giving you a count of three and all that stuff. You know, that this is this is kind of like me taking my Thanksgiving tradition and turning it on its ear. Like, what if what if someone dared to say they were thankful for absolutely nothing, which is kind of blasphemous because we all have a lot to be thankful for. And Helga is a Helga is an out, outlier, man. She speaks her mind and she she doesn't mind, you know, scorched earth. Well, boy, she, oh boy. Helga's one of those characters that if you cross her, she will burn the earth for you. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, it starts off where she's like, this is what happens every year, and it's dumb. And then after the play, surprisingly to me, Helga was like, I'm actually excited. I made a centerpiece. And then her dad's like, well, that's cool, but I got football. She's like, damn it, it's happening again. Price yeah. to her mom. And yeah, like, you're right. Oh, damn it again. She does have a moment of... of uh pure sweet hopefulness you know when she comes out and, and bob's watching tv and she's like you mean a chance for us all to you know she has some kind of yeah the bright nice, eye and and it, it's a rare moment of of uh i don't know kind of tenderness from helga and then it gets it gets all mowed down you know just oh, like it's good you know the story is, all over that the story is that everyone's having a shitty thanksgiving and and what would happen if our and really we were the the thing we were trying to do was what if they both check out and, and basically sneak out of their own Thanksgivings and bump into each other. And first she's really hostile, but little by little 
she kind of breaks down and shares with Arnold. So they're even in her hostile way They're they're kind of having a really great long walk and talk, which was already, that was that season three. We we're already kind of trying to make something for the kids who were shipping Arnold. And <laughs> like, wouldn't it be cool if they got together? But that was always my goal from the first minute. Like she was going to be cruel to him for years. And finally, uh, she would have to confess that she loved him and and so on, you know, but that was the, the Thanksgiving episode, just another piece in that long saga. So then let me ask you this. How intentional was it? Because basically she's very standoffish when they get together. And then the more that Arnold's home gets chipped away, that he can have a great Thanksgiving, that's when she starts to feel like they can connect. Because she falls in love with this hope but she's only able to connect with him once he's lost it. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 kind of cool. I, I felt like that story was very organic. We worked on So the, the, the making of that story uh, is that uh, Joe and Steve and I were writing it, and I'm sure that we just split it up into thirds and said, you take this, you take this, you take this, and we just went to work on it, and we weren't liking it. We'd gotten about two drafts of it, and it wasn't very good yet. And uh, Antoinette Stella who co-wrote Parents Day with me and who uh, plays Stella, uh, Arnold's mom. Antoinette, I came to work one day and she was pacing around in front of my office. Waiting, she, you know, waiting for me to get there. And she, I've got, a, I've got an idea for the, for the Thanksgiving special. And I was like, well, God, let me make some coffee and unlock my office and, you know, relax, you know, <laughs> sit here for a second. <laughs> and she, she, you know, she pitched me that idea that the the play at the beginning is a model for that Simmons has written that his idealized Thanksgiving that of course is not true but it was like Simmons yearning for a good Thanksgiving and then when the kids go they meet up and we have the meet up and walk and talk figured out but then they're like what if they go to Simmons' house and they see this kind of horrible scene and it it makes them have a a moment where they go God you know, maybe, maybe my family's not so fucked up after all. Maybe I should get back and try and try to be part of the Thanksgiving. Basically kids coming to realize that they, they have something to be thankful for kind of no matter how crappy. So it, it, it was really Antoinette who provided the glue. She pitched that out to me. And I was like, ah, oh, that's great. Let me just tell the gang. And then I wrote the next draft draft three, I guess, where I, I did all those things. And, and, uh, I remember the specifically the scenes that I I remember writing were were the let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for Helga going off and she does a, a kind of a monologue about oh he's probably with his eccentric and lovable boarding house family and and then he surprises her and then they go for their long walk and and also I wrote that scene in the in the kitchen in Simmons kitchen where where they uh that incredibly beautiful score plays and they go um you know it, it can't you know it, it, certainly what's going on in my house can't be as bad as as this messed up family and then simmons is standing in the door like, oh. hearing them say that he's like he comes over and he tells them that when he tells them that you know i know this isn't the perfect thanksgiving but every year i i do this anyway it, which is so the philosophy of Hey Arnold. Like, I can't fix the world, but I'm going to show up anyway. And that that's my message to kids. Like, 
yeah, you're you're not a superhero. You can't you can't really you're pick. not special. But but you 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 can try and and you can move the ball a little bit down the field, and that's really as individuals all that we could ever hope to do. So so I, I thought that it, it ended up being really one of my favorite episodes because it has all that stuff. And it was a third season. It was an episode in the middle of the third season when we were really, I feel kind of at the height of our, our powers. We'd, we'd really figured out what our superpower was, which is to tell stories about things that are sad and messed up. Well, speaking of the play, the play was a beautiful metaphor because it starts off where the first two acts are just disasters. Harold's eating the food. Uh, you have things falling apart. And, and of course, Mr. Simmons is getting stressed, but it's that third act that he's like, this, this is what has to be perfect because I need to see what this he, looks like. He begs the kids, please don't screw this up. <laughs> right. And then as Arnold's doing his line, he's saying it with them. And yeah. Arnold nails it and he starts crying. He's like, this is what I want. Yeah. That's kind of like that foreshadow is like, here's a Yeah, thing. that is a nice bit of foreshadowing. Him him literally reading along, you know that he's deeply invested in this this fiction that he's written. Yeah, it's it it was a beautiful thing where I'm like, man, I hope they, they come back with this. Cause I I remember watching it now, but when I started rewatching, I was like, I don't remember where this goes. And then it just was a beautiful journey of like disaster, disaster, and then it all comes together. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tremendously sweet at the end when Arnold and the Arnold standing outside and he sees that they've they've worked it out. And he says, happy Thanksgiving, Helga. That's meant to be the mirror of her standing outside his house saying Merry Christmas, Arnold. Christmas, Holy yes. shit. Craig, and, you're and fucking it's, smart. It's meant to be. And that, you know, that's what's fun about having a TV series is we had a hundred half hours, almost 200 stories. And you could, you could call back all the time and you could think of a whole episode being a, a, a setup, you know, like this episode's going to happen. And then whenever we get around to it, we can have a cool payoff. And so Thanksgiving has a real nice mirror of Arnold doing a nice turn for Helga. And he, I don't know what he really did, except, except he's uh he's kind of magical kid and he 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 kind of wills good things to happen then he goes home and gets his reward and that that they decided to grandma decided to get lucid and, <laughs> and, and accept that it's really thanksgiving and not fourth of july and then she still says it wouldn't be thanksgiving without fireworks and that very last scene uh it was tuck's idea he said well, what if what if we we finish with them hauling the Mayflower out of the water. So even the Mayflower will, will <laughs> sail again. You know, that's kind of what's happening in, at the end. Everybody got their comeuppance. Uh, and there was, there's one thing I wanted to ask about that ending because in the Christmas episode, it ends with Helga saying Merry Christmas, Arnold, and then walking off the episode ends. Was there any, um, how, do I, how do I word that? Or what, what word am I looking for? Was there any idea of leaving it with Arnold doing it the same way? Happy Thanksgiving, or did did you guys? Want uh, we knew to we knew he had to come home and get he had to get his his Thanksgiving too. Yeah, so it's different in that way. You're right. It's kind of like it has a coda. Mm. It's an Absolutely. interesting structure. It 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 has many acts. The well, I'm I'm kind of curious. Four Thanksgivings and a and a coda. Well, I'm kind of curious because Arnold, his main selling point is he's the kid who even with his face in the dirt, he's going to have hope. Yeah, and Helga never really had that hope. It was really interesting. Uh, so, like, Arnold, 
wants to have that hope that things are going to get better. Helga did it. So it had to end with her like, at least you got it. I'm happy for you. Whereas yeah. Arnold, he had that hope, so he needed that comeuppance. Uh, what I really love with Helga is that the first time she really feels like she's got her famous attention is when they're fucking pissed that she's not saying what she's thankful for. But then yeah. she finally comes home. She's only been a couple hours, but they're freaking the fuck out. They're calling yeah. Uh, you have Bob getting ready to go in a Hummer with his army outfit. <laughs> he was manned up. His Halloween, his Halloween army outfit. Where she's the main up. thing. I was like, we're looking uh, this so great. And, yeah. and for the first time, she's like, hey, <laughs> they give her the attention she really wanted. Yeah. She, she smiles. She's like, this is what I've always wanted. Yeah, she's getting, she's finally getting noticed. And she had to go to extreme measures to do it. And and everybody is they're all ridiculous, but but in their own way they showed her that they loved her. And we thought one of the things we love about that is when Bob goes, uh, we're just thankful you're 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 here and uh, around the house. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not thankful that any any qualities of Helga. He's just thankful that she's around the house, which is well, he was willing to step up step, to go for it, her. Bob, but... that's pretty lovely. He doesn't know how to express his emotions. Yeah. So like, well, I just, I just got to glad you're oh, here totally. so you can help me watch That's, football. It's, it's really fun to see Bob, uh, all of them, but, but Bob especially, having to be emotional. He's, he's, he's really lost there. He's just doing his best. And it's, oh, it's he's so uncomfortable. And, and, you know, hats off to all four of those actors. They're, they're so good. Um, Olga's scene, you know, uh, Nika, who, who plays Olga, when yeah. she runs downstairs and says, I finished the fires. I only hope I'm not too late. And she goes, she does that crazy cry. We, man, when that take was done, lucky we were behind glass, man. We were just laying on the floor crying. It was so funny. And, you know, they just did that. Uh, Olga would surprise us, make us laugh out loud. Bob, of course, Maurice um, is such a clown. He he loves to warm up, warm me up by just making farting noises and burping and shit <laughs> until, until you're helpless. And then finally, you'd be like, oh, "Okay, let's let's do some tracks." And he he's just that kind of guy. That's actually how we got the idea to do uh, Arnold's Halloween, the the uh, Orson Welles character of mm. Douglas Kane was. Or um, Mo would come in and the they they'd set up the mic and then before we started recording he would just do a long long Orson Welles monologue. Do you remember the the commercials that they have? It's kind of a bootleg tape that went around of Orson Welles doing recording commercials and he he's mad so. about the copy and he 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 kind of chews out the director. Um, that was a famous tape that all editors have. They all passed it around. So sound recording people would always be like, hey, here's a cassette. Check this out. And so we all knew the Orson Welles tape. And Mo knows it by heart. He would start out by, he would warm up by farting and burping. And then he'd do Orson Welles for a while. And finally, he'd be like, oh, okay. And I'd, I'd heard him do Orson Welles so many times. And of course, he's the brain. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just like, Mo would... How about if we do a, 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 you know, Halloween broadcast of of thirty nine, and you can be an Orson Welles character who's like, oh god, that sounds great. <laughs> but uh, you know, sorry, that's I'm what he really wanted. Track, he got it. All four Patakis are, are just the best actors. It's so much fun. They, I adore them all. They're the best. No, there's no such thing as off track with this podcast, man. We, it goes all <laughs> over the place. There's no parameters. There's no boundaries. We go where we need to go. 
to get the conversations we need, man. Um, we'll sitting back and, and watching this one. This is the first time I've watched this one, probably in a couple years. Um, I went and I looked through all of my DVDs. I couldn't find my Arnold DVDs for some reason. I'm we're in the stages of moving couches in and out and stuff like that, so I'm pretty sure they're stashed somewhere. So I went and bought it on iTunes, and I'm sitting there, I'm watching it. And the first thing I thought of was like, wow, this is. It felt like Thanksgiving, right? From what the clothes that they were wearing, it seemed like it was getting chilly. Um, you know, the play, of course, everybody did a Thanksgiving play when they were growing up. And then sitting around and having those uncomfortable conversations with your family or just, oh, man, I got to sit next to my brother. We just fought. I mean, I don't know how many Thanksgivings <laughs> my brother and I just fought, you know. So it really felt like it was a felt like it was real. You know, that's what I liked about Arnold. There were so many stories. There were so many um, just happen chances that happened within Arnold that mirrored real life whenever we would go out and be kids, you know. Um Sitting back and watching the uh, the the portion with Arnold, I was thinking, I was like, damn, why couldn't my grandmother be crazy as shit and think 4th of <laughs> July was Thanksgiving, man? Where does that initial concept for, for Gertie being just confused with the holidays? You know, she would pop in and out with certain things, but the holidays seemed to be a big yeah. thing that she was, uh, would call yeah, back to. I, I guess that tradition started with Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. she's dressed as, uh, as a, a Thanksgiving Indian, and she's playing... Mm-hmm. A Fourth of July tune. Um, uh, I think she's play, she plays the you know three cheers for the red, white, and blue is a yeah. A, 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 what's his name? Cohen was the name of the guy. Um, God, the guy who wrote the, all those patriotic songs at the turn of the century. Uh, uh, Conan Doyle was that his name? Uh, yeah. I should know. It. It'll it'll come. Somebody's Arthur Conan Doyle, the, the guy who did Sherlock no, Holmes. Not, really? not Sherlock Holmes. The, <laughs> the guy's name was Cohan. Wow. J.M. Cohan, I think. Anyway, he was the guy who wrote the Stars and Stripes Forever. That's what that tune is called. And it just was one that we played over and over again. And so we just decided, Grandma, how about Grandma? You John know, Philip Sousa. John Philip Sousa wrote that? Wow. All right. As we take a pause for the cause, if you haven't yet, you should check us out on all social media platforms by searching at In My Head Pod. There you can see who we've got coming on. And if you feel so inclined to, you could submit a question to be asked. Now, let's get back to the show. That's what it's okay. saying. Cool. Um, uh, but we we just had grandma be, uh, you know, whatever the holiday is, just put it in the blender, and she's got the wrong one, and and that that was a tradition that probably started with Arnold's Christmas, and um, it was all part of her. Is she with it or is she not? You know, she has a kind of a dementia, I guess, but it seems to be something. It's really more that she's playful. And she's kind of having everybody on because she's so capable as well, you know. She's like a ninja. She went it's the and long game. She, she yeah, she always has a long game. And and yeah. if uh, if part of it is throwing you off at the beginning and making you think she's crazy, so much the better. That's really what was going on there. It's, and it's it's very random too. There's not a there's not a, a a strict logic to it at all. We didn't really care. Grandma could just go off, and it. It, it, we, there wasn't an, a, there wasn't a really super important timeline. People kind of want to be like, well, which holiday is which for grandma? And it's like, I don't know what day is. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Yeah. Now you had said, uh, Jillian, you had said that uh, you wish your, your grandma was crazy like Gertie. And, and she was, even, I'm just, they, they had was. cool adventure. Yeah. She, we had cool adventures. That's what I wanted. I want cool side quests, you know, but you have say, Arnold. Oh, so go ahead. Because you have Arnold, who's like, I wish I just had one normal Thanksgiving. Mm. Yeah, like he's sitting he's there not asking like, for much. 
He just wants it. He wants one normal Thanksgiving. It's a small request. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say my, my grandma, uh, nanny, my mom's mom was a really big figure in my, in my childhood. She did a lot, did a lot to, she was with us a lot and did a lot to kind of help, help my family raise us. And, uh, she was an adventurer, you know, she'd take mm-hmm. you in the car. We'd go places with my, with that grandma. And so that's kind of what I based it on. Grandma's kind of like outgoing, adventurous quality is, is based on my own grandma. What's your favorite story of your grandma while we're on the grandma? With my topic? grandma? Yeah. What's oh, your favorite man. story? Uh, she, she took us kids personally from where we lived in, in North Seattle to a lake east of there where she had a tiny cabin and just the whole thing from when she picked us up in her car, she had a little red comet mm. uh, and, and she would drive like a maniac. I remember her taking left turns across a lot of traffic, just like close your eyes, you know, good luck. And she, she drove like a maniac and she, and when we'd get there, she was completely in charge of this little cabin. We were all sleeping on the floor in sleeping bags. And she was making the pancakes and, you know, running everything, making the fire. And, and so I just think of the, those, those kind of uh, weekend adventures with my grandma at, at Lake Taps when, when I, when I was quite small, that, that those really stick in my mind. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Oh man, I was getting ready to ask you that same question. So my granny, uh, yeah, you did. Um, If you ain't first, you're last Ricky Bobby. Uh, the, my granny is a huge figure piece in my life. I mean, without her, probably I'm not into food. I don't cook for a living. Um, she instilled in me at a young age, what food was supposed to be. It was supposed to be sharing what essentially my granny, every time she would make food, it was Thanksgiving for everybody. So whenever (laughs) I cook for people, it's my way of giving, like, it's the Thanksgiving for me. I get to share a meal with somebody. I get to sit down with them. So I would have to say, uh, you know, my earliest memory is probably of just sitting on the counter and I can only see it in flashes because I was so young. Um, but I can only see it like if if you were to take a still shot or a screenshot or a picture, that's what I see when I see my granny now. But her sitting there, me sitting on the island, and she would get up with my grandpa every morning and she would make a true traditional Southern breakfast. So biscuits, gravy, ham, sausage, bacon, hash browns, grits. You know, she would go to the nines every single morning with my grandpa because my grandpa would go out and work the fields because he was a farmer, you know. So that's what I think of when I think of my grandma. She loved us so much and she wanted to make sure that everything we ate literally came from her heart and soul. So that's what I think of when I think about my granny. Yeah. Thanks it's for a making me get sentimental tie. I, I, I agree. The kind of feasts that that generation would make for us, we would just take for granted. We'd be like, of, of course, on the weekend, there will be a giant feast. Mm. Always. What about you, Ty? What's your favorite memory of your granny? So my my grandma on my dad's side uh, was the epitome of a southern sugar bacon woman. Mm. And <laughs> she she was the one that taught me what a strong woman is. And that's what I would look for in my partner now. Uh, so like the great memories I remember is going over. We'd always go there for Thanksgiving. Uh, and so my grandpa had a mouth on him and she didn't take shit. So he would say something. She was go fuck yourself, Bob. Like it was just one thing. She it didn't matter what he was gonna say. She's like, I don't give a shit what you're gonna say. It's dumb. Stop it. And and now my wife, my wife is similar when where she's like, you know, you fight way too hard only to be right 14% of the time. 
<laughs> that number's come up it. since we started talking. <laughs> it's gold. Mm. That 14% yeah, percent's made, coming up, though. Yeah, it's gone up to 15 now. Uh, but, like, my, my grandma would make persimmon pudding. That was her mm. go-to. But then she was always making biscuits and gravy. Uh, she was always, always in the kitchen. And I never really got into cooking until I lived on my own. But I drew a lot of inspiration because she had her own little farm. So she'd grab ingredients just for the farm and then make something delicious out of it. Mm. That's really cool, man. Shout out to all the grandmothers out there, man. We're like I said, we're yeah. uh, it's Thanksgiving Grandma's. time now, so they're cheers, Grandma. I don't, cheers. I'm drinking tea because that's what my my granny would take. Uh, take. I hate <laughs> milk. I hate milk even today. I don't <laughs> unless it's ice cream. I don't want to drink. I don't want to touch dairy, cheese. That's fine, but unless it's ice cream, I don't give a shit about milk. So my granny would actually sit there. She would take me, my dad, my mom both worked jobs. Most of the time they worked two jobs and I was really, really young to support us. And uh, my granny had this really big window that she would look out of and she would hold me and she'd watch and then she'd watch them pull out down the street. And then she would literally take my milk and sippy cup, dump it out and fill it with, with sweet tea because I just wouldn't drink the milk. So that was like our, <laughs> that was our <laughs> secret beatus exchange. You know, I would secretly get diabetes um, and heart disease <laughs> because granny was giving me sweet tea when mom and dad wasn't around. Um, but, uh, when you think about this episode, let's get back to this, uh, Arnold's Thanksgiving, man. Uh, when you think about this episode, Craig, and, uh, when was the last time you watched this film? Mind me asking. I just popped it on before we did this because I wanted to make sure I had the, the, I had the flow, the greatest hits. Absolutely. Um, when you think of this episode and since you just rewatched it, uh, is there one or two episodes that you would say, this is what this whole episode is about. This is what Thanksgiving is. Can you pull one or two scenes from this episode? So what I was telling you about when he goes into the, when the kids go into Simmons kitchen to get away mm -hmm. from the fight and Simmons comes in and, and surprises them kind of in the middle of saying, God, I guess if, uh, you know, if Simmons can put up with his lousy excuse for a family, I, you know, we should be able to, and Lars, he's like, well, they're quite a spirited bunch. That that that's my favorite. That's my favorite scene in there. And I also for so many reasons. The the I wrote it. Mm -hmm. uh, Lang's score when and I call that particular cue the kids finally get it. <laughs> um, so apropos, the score is one of the best things Jim ever did. I think I think Jim was really on fire when he was. You know, that was towards the end of season three. Everything he was scoring was incredibly cool including parents day those are those are really great themes but um and, and also that really was the message what, what simmons was telling the kids and what arnold and helga were arriving at independently is what i was trying to tell uh my audience i will tell you one of the things i loved about that was we do adr which means auto automate automated dialogue replacement that's basically where you're looping to picture mm -hmm. when you rewrote it, but you you only you can't reanimate it. You know, we could only afford to kind of animate it once. And so we would then bring the actors back in and to picture, we'd roll it and they would they would match the lip flaps, but say the new lines. And we had recast uh Pearl, Simmons' mom, uh, with a, a old Broadway actress whose name I can't remember now. She's long gone. She was a very old lady even then. And she came in, I'd never met her before. And we were doing an ADR session, and that's always tricky. Some 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 actors really have a hard time with ADR. It's it's hard to 
to, you know, beep, 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 and then go. Yeah. And, uh, but no, she was with Dan Castellaneta playing Peter, the boyfriend. And so this, this actress and, and Dan were playing Peter arguing with Pearl. And man, that was the most unbelievable ADR session I'd ever seen. The two of them were killing Every time they would cut back into Arnold and, the, and Helga, and it would cut back out, and when it even when it cut back out, their mouths were right with what was happening on the cut, mm -hmm. like magic. They just would. I think I, I can't speak for the lady who played Pearl, but I, I worked so long with Dan uh, Castellaneta that I knew he was just a, he was a king of ADR. So was Maurice LaMarche, and and those two, Big Bob and. Uh, Nick Vermicelli in the movie, the first Arnold movie. Dan played Nick Vermicelli and Maurice played Big Bob. And remember, they have a big fight. Mm -hmm. Bob comes yeah. to his apartment and they just beat each other up. And that that ADR session, because because Tuck just went off and animated it and it has a bunch of crazy stuff that wasn't in the script. And so so they had to come in and look at this scene we'd made and and loop it to picture. They were they were killing it so hard. We were crying, laughing. And the case of uh, Peter and, and Pearl fighting it for that sequence I'm talking about, that was another, that was my other favorite ADR moment of my whole career where, you know, you, you, you turn on the thing, you'd watch them go and you'd go, well, that was just magic. Do you want to do another? And they'd be like, sure, let's do another. And they would do the next one to be better than the, the one they just did. They, they're all real. I can't say enough about these actors they're just they're just so good I, it's a really lucky thing making cartoons because it's basically you get to have the the robert de niro and the you know and the leo dicaprio and and the meryl streep of a voiceover just by booking them you know they're they're here in hollywood they're ready to work and they they basically work at, at union rates and so for really not that much money uh you get you get a kind of a brilliance that I think it's a really big part of why these cartoons are good. I will say the the argument between Pearl and Peter, uh, I would say would tie with the time that I laughed the loudest because it was that. <laughs> and then it was with Olga talking to Helga. It's like, all right, with the potatoes, I want you to wash them, then peel them, then pour them, then wash them again because you got dirty little hands. And I died. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, that was two, it. I think the dirty little hands was improvised by, by uh, Nika. It was a beautiful improvisation then. Because like both mm -hmm. of those, because Peter's sassy as fuck. And I was like, I am here for this. Super funny. It's yeah, he's great. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Oh, good uh, dinner and a show. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there since, since you brought up uh both uh you know Mo and uh Dan, um during the production of this episode is there any memories with the other than the ADR outstanding ADR um story you just shared with us is there any memories between the voice casting that sticks out to you when you guys were laying the tracks for this yeah i love I, you know it 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 was one of those times where i i i resolved i was like someday i want to do a, a pataki spin-off so that i can work with these four cuz they they were it was like we it was so amazing it was like i'd made a family I'd made mm -hmm. a family that didn't exist before, and now they were a family. And the kid actors, since we had real kid actors, you know, in that case, it was Philip Van Dyke playing Arnold and, mm -hmm. and Francesca playing uh, Helga. Um, they were real children. And so they were hanging out with these adults, and they, it was a wonderful relationship. The adults were so incredibly good that it was kind of a workshop for the kid actors to, to 
we'd put so many hours in. We'd, we'd meet every Thursday and work for four hours for a, a union session um, for half the year. You know, and then, and then the other half of the year, we were kind of doing post and getting ready to start the next season. But, but once they started coming in to record, they'd come in every Thursday and spend four hours together. And so I think, I think Franny and, and all, all the other kid actors, uh, just being in the presence of this brilliance, mm-hmm. intelligent, really, really funny people who were trained in improv. Dan, Dan's a very uh, experienced improv actor. And um, Grandpa never finishes a line without adding one more thing. And you're like, oh, God, keep it. that's <laughs> hilarious. And and uh, he'll think of, uh, we'll, we'll go, hmm, this scene needs a button. And he would think of it, guaranteed. He's a very, very funny man. And so that's what I loved about about uh, doing it was just uh, the time we got to spend uh, you, you after you, you you initially get started and you kind of the, the lumps and bumps of getting the first few pages done. You start to get into a groove uh, where it just unfolds. And I, I, I I'm I, I know my method of recording is different than than uh, a lot of other cartoon makers. I, I come in, we would always have a big open room and we'd have mics and people grouped around the mics and have the whole cast there. I mean, if they weren't in the scene till 20 pages, they'd be in the green room doing something. But if they were going to be up, they were sitting in, in chairs along the back wall. And when it was time for them, they'd come up to the mic and I'd start on page one and I'd go to the end of the script. And I thought it, we benefited a lot from that. There's an ensemble spirit to it because everybody's working together and they can hear everybody else's performance and also the story is unfolding for you and so if you don't show up till page 15 you heard the context of where you are and i think it's much better and it's hard for the engineer the engineer has to kind of ride the mics and not have people bleeding on each other and there's kind of rules you're like well finish your line and then wait for the other guy to finish before you start but sometimes i'd go screw it um, uh, like those ADR sessions that I described, no way were we separating the actors. We were like, no, man, you're right on top of each other. And I'll pick the one I like best and I'll live with it. If, if there's a, a bad overlap or something, so what it's, it's about, it's about a natural performance that that's relatable and good. And so that was how I recorded always. And I, I, the engineers always just learned that's how I did it. And they didn't, Say, oh, that's no, that takes no good because the guy overlapped the other one. They, they, they tell me there was overlap on that. I go, cool, I like it. We're keeping it. <laughs> what it's like to be uh, Caesar, man. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be king, as Tom Petty. It's, it's famously good to be said <laughs> <laughs> that he did, man. Um, what about you, Ty? I just, when can you I watch... take a second? I just saw the new Beatles song today. Now and then. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a doc, the little 15-minute doc that Peter Jackson made, where he, he how they put this together. And it mm-hmm. opens with a quote where Paul's going, let's keep that one. Keep that take and call it fab. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Mark that tape and call it fab. Are you going to incorporate so adorable, that All four Beatles. He's got just these great, great outtakes that don't even have anything to do with making. Because Peter Jackson's sitting on everything they ever did or said. And he's now now Peter Jackson's like the official director of of Beatles content. God bless him. I think we should give Peter Jackson the Nobel Prize for for his work on the Beatles material. Okay, so that was my. I'm sorry, I just. <laughs> went 
You don't have to apologize for that. Me. That was well worth it. <laughs> what about you, Ty? When you sit back and you watch this one uh, for the first time in a little while, what was some of your favorite scenes or what were some scenes that stuck out to you? So, uh, I'm kind of torn because I... I feel like I have related to Helga of just feeling like I wasn't enough. There was someone else who was bad and I was going to only attention. And so just... And you look good in pink. You look good in pink. I do look good in pink. Mm-hmm. So what he's talking about is we did a trailer for season three where my co-host and I were wearing three-piece suits in the color scheme of SpongeBob and Patrick. <laughs> and so, of course, I was Patrick. So I had pink and purple and green. and uh, But just... To see her get that, she gets the attention, but it's negative. So, of course, she's just standoffish. She's like, no, I'm not paying for anything. And then when they're like, we missed you. We were so scared. Like, we lost you. And she gets the attention of, no, you're valued here. And it doesn't last long. And like the next, next episode, it's like, nope, it's back to normal. Yeah. And now she's got that. She's got that taste of maybe there's something here. Yeah. So between, between that and then. Uh, Mr. Simmons, just having the hope of Arnold, but still getting his face back in the dirt. He's got a boyfriend who sats in his mom. He's got, I guess, is Joy his sister or is the friend that Joy's, Joy is China? his friend that's like his beard. You know? <laughs> yeah. He, the, Joy is there for his, his mom's sake. Yes. Okay. So she's she's the distraction that's like, hey. So I have he has, Yeah, exactly. He has this hope, and that's why I think that play was so big for him. It's like, yes, everything's falling apart. Oh, it's stressful. But if we get this right, if I can just see it, maybe it will happen. And he's got this hope. So whenever he sees Helga and Arno, like, this is terrible. It shakes him to his core. I almost almost heard the Charlie Brown music. (laughs) And and he's like, nope. Yes, they're eccentric. Yes, they're crazy. But they're the ones I love. And I want to keep trying to get them to love each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really noble, it's a noble thought. It's also interesting. It kind of presents you Simmons as an artist who, who wrote a play to try, to try to help sort out the mess that was his life. And I, I think that the artistic process is, is a part of this story, too. It's it's very meta in that way. Oh my goodness! I think it goes even more meta at that point because you have him. He basically was directing this play, and directors I feel like are notorious for like, hey, just I'll, I'll take whoever and I will make it work. I will make it work. Whereas you have the casting director is like, no, we're gonna get someone who's actually made for this role. Let me make your job easier. Like, no, I can make this work, and he's trying <laughs> to make it work so hard. And yeah, yeah, and it's good. I mean, at the, at the end of the, at the end of it, you kind of love everybody a little more, all of them. You know, yeah, you, you have you, more compassion. The Jackies redeem themselves in their own way, and all the all of Arnold's family redeem themselves in some way. So everybody, and both kids are going to be better. You know, they're going to belong to their families a little bit better because they they went through this experience together, right? You know, the Patakis were the most relatable because I look at them and they're saying sorry without saying sorry. 
it's like uh my family you know you're around you get into a fight and nobody says sorry but you pass each other the gravy and you pass each other the mashed potatoes and you say this was good and you say yeah it was and then everything is swept under the rug and forgotten so that's what it <laughs> felt like it felt like home at least they didn't say sorry Texas. but <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry yeah. and <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but uh when i when i watch this one back man uh the one scene and <clears throat> It's it's I don't want to say it's a throwaway scene in in a, in a in a bad way. It's not like heartfelt like you two guys just shared. I just laughed so hard at this scene and it was in the opening when they're walking across the bridge and they literally see the Mayflower tip over. I got such a huge chuckle out of seeing the Coast Guard pull up and all of these people just trying to get them out and I'm like, dude, whoever, do you know who boarded that that scene, Craig? Was that, that a was tuck? tuck. Oh, yeah, I knew tuck, it was going to be a tuck. Did that whole section. Yeah, oh, man, it was, it was, was just so fun. The animation timer was Larry Leiglider. I think between Larry and Tuck, you know, Larry mm -hmm. timing it and Tuck, Tuck boarding it, that's, that is why that scene is so good. I'll tell you a, a cool thing. We talk about ADR. We mm -hmm. were looping the crowd. We didn't have the, the, the Coast Guard firemen or whatever they were, those people who were rescuing the, mm -hmm. the people out of the sinking Mayflower. And so we did some kind of shouting and, uh, there's a scene where Helga goes, what do you mean a perfect Thanksgiving? You mean this? And she points to the boat and you can see them all sitting wrapped in blankets like a bunch of refugees on the boat. And if you <laughs> if you listen, you can hear Joey Paul, our casting director, who was also in that loop group with me, going, she's let me try. She's going. <laughs> she's doing a very high pitch. <laughs> trying to do the. A long burr. I can't do it. Joey did it. If you listen really carefully, there's a someone doing a high pitch, and it's uh, adorable. And that's Joey. I love that. Yeah. So that's that's when I see my finished mixed shows, that's why I really am interested in mixes. I love mixing. I, I love I love mixing into yourself and your friends all around. And you're going, oh, I was there. I was part of that party. I'm on that boat in that case. And uh, that's the joy of, um, of cartoon making is, is uh, uh, you, you get to you get to kind of make that space and put yourself in it even, which might be, I don't know, just pure narcissism. But in my case, I, I, <laughs> I, really, I really like feeling like I was at the party. Oh, man, you were. At the it definitely party. feels like a party. Yeah, there's a lot of joy in it. There, no, no question. Um, the whole idea was I felt like I was hosting a kind of a party for these actors and, and the writers would be there and the, the Tuck, you know, who was going to draw it would be there, whoever was going to draw it. And you're, you're trying, you're, you're, you're doing your job if everybody had a great time and you, you, you created something that, um, that they, they were glad they, they were glad they had been there. You know, we recorded it. We recorded uh, Mr. Wingo's Country, and then we spent the day with Randy Travis and and uh, Bowen, who plays Mr. Wing. All those people. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're like, God damn, man, we had a blast. We, we we got together and made a story about a country song, and and that was that was like the main thing I loved about it. I mean, I loved getting it drawn. I, you know, there was a lot of aspects of it besides that, but but. Um, those recording sessions were often the very best time of all. That's really cool, man. Um, and before I uh, push us on to the uh, next portion of the show, which is the fans questions, Ty, you got any uh, more questions about 
old Thanksgiving or anything you want to ask Craig before we rotate in the fans? So before we rotate into the questions, I, I have to ask, because I I didn't realize that I would experience some of your work before Hey Arnold. So I, I didn't realize that you were one of the voice actors on the Adventures of Mark Twain. Oh. <laughs> and that that movie was a huge part of my childhood. It also was a huge cool. part of scarring my childhood. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm really impressed that it the the cult status of the Adventures of Mark Twain Especially the the mysterious stranger segment, just because yeah. in the age of YouTube, it 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 finally got the life that it that will will Vinton, my old boss, the claymation king, uh, in Portland, Oregon. My first job out of school, I was from the Northwest, and the only the only real animating job in the whole Northwest was to go down to Portland and work for Will. I, I was on a tiny crew that made that film. There were nine of us. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, nine of us animated, and less than nine probably about six animators and three kind of staffers. There were a couple of editors, you know, and things like that. Uh, uh, we, a very small little team made that film and the Mysterious Stranger segment. Oh, well, the doing a voice on it was, uh, I was credited as You were the minor. So I was one of the people doing voices when they're all shouting and betting and cheering and, and being mad and stuff in the jumping frog. But probably there was wallet throughout the film wherever there was a crowd. I was in on that. That was, so that was my contribution vocally, but animation wise too. The mysterious stranger was the last sequence practically that we did. Also, the opening sequence. Remember how the book opens and all the stuff pours yes. out. I did that too. I did a lot of those book opening shots. A lot of metamorphosis and like water covering that desk and turning into the scene that it becomes. Uh, which then it then when it takes over and it's Tom and Huck. I think uh, that was Tom Gasick who did did those bits but we you know we all had sequences in the film and then when we'd finished our sequences uh will and barry barry bruce was the lead animator on the thing my mentor he was my first real animation mentor um barry would assign us the next thing and he said hey you want to do scenes in the mysterious stranger i said yeah man it looks <laughs> this is the craziest <laughs> thing in this whole movie and so i did uh several shots in in uh in the mysterious stranger sequence and that i i i remember will when the film got finished uh he you know, he didn't have a good distribution plan and a, a really small distributor uh put it out and couldn't you know they couldn't get they couldn't get it in very many cities and it as a as a theatrical movie it didn't perform well at all and not very many people saw it it would barely made a blip and there's that horrible feeling where you worked on it for years and you're like uh you know uh, is this never going to get seen? I think it would really be a comfort to Will, who's now gone, RIP Will Vinton. Um, it would be a real comfort to Will to know how infamous those uh, the movie is and the 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 how dark it is and how how people just what you just said. You know, I was a kid. Jeez, that <laughs> scarred my childhood. Uh, that was kind of man. He was, uh, Will was making a weird ass movie and he knew it and, <laughs> and everything about it. The, the Vinton studio in, in Portland was such a, it was like we were at the end of the earth. And well, we it also started my childhood because like it's, I go from that and then it's like, oh, Hey, here's Rugrats, here's Doug. And then you get, Hey Arnold. And it's like, Hey, here is the humanity and something that's a little darker. Yes. We want to talk about hope, but that hope's going against like struggle. 
So I feel like that movie prepped me to appreciate the humanity and storytelling. Yeah. Well, it's cool. It's it's cool when I think about my career. I didn't really have a master plan at all. I graduated from college up in Washington at Evergreen and went to Portland to work for Will because I literally was the only thing, the only game going. I went and found the studio and cold called him, went in and got a job and uh, segued from that once I, uh, five years with them. And then when I, when I kind of felt like I could go no further, I couldn't get any higher in that pyramid. I, I uh, sent a reel to Pee Wee's Playhouse and got hired to come down and do the Penny cartoons. And from there, I met the folks at Klasky Chupo and got in on season one of Rugrats, then met the, all the Nick people and pitched them, hey, Arnold. So there is a continuity, one followed the other, and there's a kind of a weird logic to it, I guess. But that's kind of a cool thing to, to realize that to your eyes, there's even a kind of a, I don't know what, a thematic or stylistic uh, continuity as well. That's cool. I, I, I believe me, I didn't plan it. <laughs> Well, I'm out just, of curiosity, I'm just glad you, to have a job, man. Because <laughs> you had originally pitched Arnold uh, as a uh, clay animation, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So yeah, what, I made I made those three claymation Arnold shorts. So, what was that transition from claymation to like hand drawn animation? I I also uh, Matt Groening gave me the chance to do some Arnold comics for his his early early Simpsons magazine called Simpsons Illustrated. And I would do what? I would do eight panel comic spreads on the there would be there was a back comics page. Me and Gary Pander, if you can believe it, Gary would do a strip too. Um, and because Gary was like Matt's like early friend, like a college right out of college friend. And uh Gary, another another amazing, you know, uh, the art director of Pee-wee's Playhouse. So my world, my tiny world was like filled with shockingly cool and talented people. <laughs> And, and, uh, we, 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 so I had that when I went in to talk to Mary Harrington and Nickelodeon, I had, we came in for another reason. We were, it was a group of us ex Rugrats people trying to pitch new ideas and she didn't want any of them. And we were sitting there feeling bummed out. Like our pitch meeting had was nothing. And someone said, Craig, show Mary your penny cartoons. So I had a VHS tape that had my penny cartoons on it. And on the front of it, was Arnold Escapes from Church, the first Arnold claymation movie. Mary loved Arnold Escapes from Church, and she said, it's clay, though. I mean, like, could it be 2D? Could it be drawn? I said, well, I happen to have these Simpsons comics. And I showed her Arnold Arnold comics from, from The Simpsons Illustrated, and, and there was one particular drawing at the end of the, the, the punchline of one of the comics of him screaming. He sits up in bed and screams. And Mary just was like laughing and going, geez, I, I love this guy. I want to, let's do something with this Arnold guy. And she followed me out into the hall. And the other guys were all like, <laughs> Mary's <laughs> talking to Greg. And she said, come back and let's talk about this Arnold guy. And so that was the door, the door that opened. And it was like, do you want to make something with Arnold? And I said, oh, absolutely. I'll draw it. I don't, it doesn't have to be claymation. That's super hard. You know, the Penny cartoons and, and the Arnold shorts, uh, you wouldn't want to do a half hour series of that. It's right. Too, it's, it's too limited in its scope and it's too hard, too labor intensive. So it was a really fun introduction of the character and it did influence his design as well. But um, after that, I was perfectly happy to switch to 2D. 
That's awesome, man. This this blows my mind. <laughs> Hypothetically, if you were to bring Arnold back for one more shot, would you ever give it a second thought to do a claymation episode of I, Arnold? I, that's a great question. I I would uh I I even pitched Nickelodeon. I said, why don't we do a claymation Halloween special? Because it's like SpongeBob's done it, Simpsons has even done it. It's it's a it's a once you've established something and you have a bunch of them. It's a cool idea. Like, where's the claymation? Where's the one made by Stupid Buddy? You know, or you know, and and so I I I was talking to Stupid Buddy and I said, listen, I'll I'll ask him. You all ask him. What next time you go in to talk to Nickelodeon, you ask him too. Say, hey, Craig was in and he was he was uh, you know he's a claymation guy. Um, why don't we do why don't we do a claymation Arnold holiday special, Halloween being ideal, but. You know, I, I I don't know why these things don't come to pass, but but uh, yeah, I, w- I would. It would be a blast. You know, I I love claymation, and I, I love I love the current you know explosion of stop motion that's out there now, and the stupid buddy stuff. And there's a lot of companies here in Burbank and L.A. in general that are are doing st- stop mo, and God bless them. Dude, I would I would I would love to see it uh, make a comeback because some of my earliest memories. Um, was Gumby sitting down with my grandpa watching Gumby and just being blown oh, away like holy shit this is like Gumby's really is crazy. cool it's yeah. cool it's really psychedelic and made by hippies <laughs> that's awesome man I like I said I would love to see Arnold come back as uh, anything really but it'd be really cool just to see you know those uh, early days with like a tip or an homage to the early day Arnold almost man, like a bookmark really cool. start inclination end inclination so a bookend is that oh, what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, right. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, all right. So we got some fans questions here. Um, however, I always like to end this one whenever we're talking about something in uh in specific. Um, when you think of this this episode, Craig, is there one word or this holiday special, excuse me, is there one word, one phrase, one sentence, one paragraph, one emotion that gets brought up when you think of Hey Arnold's Christmas? And what's the first thing that comes to mind? Or excuse me, that was a Freudian slip. Hey Arnold's Thanksgiving, not Christmas. I'm like grandma right now, man. I'm getting them all mixed up. Uh, Mariah Carey's of, already uh, singing. You're fine. Boy, oh boy. I've already heard it three times this week and I've <laughs> wanted to hang myself all three times. <laughs> but what's the first word or emotion that comes to mind when you think of Thanksgiving? I'd say... I love, I love, everybody has a nice turn in that, in that episode. Everybody comes around and has a nice discovery. But I think when grandma, he goes, thanks, thanks, grandma. He's got a big chicken, I mean, turkey leg in his hand. He goes, but could, could we have fireworks? And she goes, completely lucid grandma goes, oh, Arnold, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without fireworks. And then she whips that carp off and. Starts twice and, and fires he has two stands. So it's, I think that's a great ending. And it, the, you know, it, it it's, it's really one of my favorite the little buttons that we ever did. And so I always think of that. Yeah. The great dress McNeil. Beautiful, man. Um, there was one thing I actually, I probably should ask this before I asked that last one because now it's anticlimactic. But uh, I, I noticed it today for like the first time ever. Abner was the only one that was out of costume. He had headphones on. He was very 90s. What was up with that, Craig? I don't know, man. I when I looked at those <laughs> models for what everybody was going to be wearing on the roof, I was like, okay. Headphones, <laughs> windbreakers, 
Get it in the pig. I liked it. I dug yeah, he it. Was, he was dressed for a winner. I think those were yeah. meant to be earmuffs. I think. Oh, were they? I thought they were headphones. Yeah. They look like headphones. That makes to more me, sense. But it's yeah. a mysterious, it's a very, the rooftop sequence is crazy. Oh, uh, it really yeah. is, man. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Well, uh, Ty, I'm, uh, I, I, I think I need glasses. So I'll let you ask the first fan question, or if you got any other more fans' questions while I zoom in as best as I can. You got any more things you want to ask Craig here before I uh, rotate in these ones? Um, I guess let me ask this. Because uh, this kind of came to mind, and I wasn't sure. Because in the middle of it, you have Arnold dressing up as Benjamin Franklin. And he's putting on his bald cap. He's wearing on his glasses. And Harold comes by. He's like, hey, do you got any more marshmallows? But doesn't recognize that it's Arnold. And that's when he's like, no, it's it's me. And then that's when he's like, oh, my gosh, I want to make fun of you. And, like, runs off to, like, Arnold's wearing glasses at him just as a bald woman or whatever he says. I wrote that scene, too. <laughs> it was fantastic because I'm like, here he is asking for something, and then Toy forgets it because he's got to make fun of. Yeah, uh, but is Harold like a neighbor to to Arnold? Well, kinda. I mean, basically, all the kids live within walking distance of each other because it's such an urban setting that nobody's too many blocks from anybody else. Why Harold chose Arnold to come borrow the marshmallows? I don't know. Apparently, that Harold's house is pretty close. Okay. <laughs> He's probably a next door kid, man. Um, Did that give you enough time? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I I definitely need glasses for sure. <laughs> I've I've been struggling with this the last couple of weeks, and I'm like, maybe <laughs> I'm just really tired. Maybe the weed is just extra strong, and I don't think it's anything. I think I'm just getting old, and my eyes are starting to go. Um, don't get old, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so if I if I mess up your names, it's because I can't read them. So I apologize ahead of time. Uh, so these ones aren't just Thanksgiving related, but so they'll go, you know, all over the kind of place. Um, but uh, this listener wanted to know, what is Sid's last name? Did you ever Sid give Sid doesn't a name? have a last name. We we basically came up with last names only as needed. Mm -hmm. and, and it would be like in the story if it called for them to be like Stinky Peterson, you know, like his name gets read off of a yeah. off of a roll or something. And if we didn't have to, if we didn't have to name them, we didn't. So we never named Sid's last name. Kind of amazing. Beautiful. People, people kind of, there's a funny, people kind of think that like, it's like, it's like the a Bible secret. where, where everything, you know, and then God created everything. And it's not that way at all. It's basically as needed for literally everything. It's embarrassing to admit, but that's how I made up the show. I pulled it out of my ass episode by episode, man. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, let man, me you ask you magic. this as a follow up because you have it to where Arnold's saying, Happy Thanksgiving plays off of Helga saying Merry Christmas. Was that something that was just in a Bible of, hey, if we ever do this in reverses, we need to make sure we cover this? No, so it, it's, was just... it was literally me going, wouldn't that be nice? Mm. You know, and, and nice I, in the in the in the act of in the act of making the next holiday special, well, the third holiday special, I saw an opportunity for Arnold to do the same kind of nice turn for Helga that he, she had done for him. Also, he doesn't know. We know. That's what's cool about it. Oh, that's right. He never finds out. He doesn't know who his Christmas angel is, and I don't want him to. I mean, I think it's really cool that Helga made that huge sacrifice for him and didn't tell him. that. That's a that's a very deep Helga-y That's when you know that she genuinely has yeah, feelings for him. It's it, not just it, infatuation. Yes, exactly. The, Arnold's Christmas is where we really learn what Helga's really made of, and, and that's, it's meant to make you love her. 
And then, 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 then Arnold doing that nice turn in, in, in return was just like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? So I, you know, we just, we were always thinking of that stuff as we went. Helga still has my favorite line in the entire series and it is in uh, Hey Arnold's Christmas and, or Arnold's Christmas. And it's, oh no, not another moral dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I try to work I, that into good, everything once yeah. a week, man. I try to work it into my daily life at least once a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I just get looked at very well. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's so well written, man. Um, so we got the next one. Um, shit. Uh, I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Um, why didn't Brainy get his own episode? Did you guys ever have an idea for Brainy to get his own episode? Um, not really. And since I voice him, I, I, I should have. You know, I should have done a Brainy episode, but I think we just kind of, we got to 100 episodes and they didn't order anymore and I hadn't gotten around to it. It mm. wasn't obviously like a big priority. Also, it would have been kind of a lot of work, I think, because he was meant to be a character who really only said a couple words at a time. Mm -hmm. Not meant to be a character who does exposition. I mean, is breathing a line? Do you get paid for the breathing? Yeah, that's how, how many... I got started. That's how I joined uh, Screen Actors Guild was was doing that breathing. Oh, that's amazing. I, I, I think that. so, too. I know, man. I'm into that. <laughs> when was the last time you dusted off a brainy? When was the last time you dusted off a brainy? Yeah, go for it. Here goes. <laughs> oh, God, that's great, man. Where did that punch come from, anyways? Uh, whenever I saw it, I always think of Lion King when Rafiki hits the uh, hyenas yeah. on Pride although, Rock. Although, you know, I just thought that would be cool. He's right yeah. behind her, and so she reflexively smacks him. And Tuck it's... ordered the first one, mm -hmm. and uh, the rest is history. Now, with, with that being said, I've always wanted to ask you this, like, with the exception of a background, I like you. I go back and I watch a lot of the Disney movies, and you can take like Robin Hood and Jungle Book and Baloo and the Sheriff. Was it, yeah, the Sheriff of Nottingham. They're using the same dance sequence in both of those Disney movies. Did you guys ever reuse that, you know, Helga hitting, or was that drawn differently every time? Yeah, it was different every time. I thought that yeah. was amazing when I saw that, where I, I saw Disney uh, sequences that used all the same animation. I'm like, <laughs> geez, Walt. Yeah. <laughs> He's really pinching pennies. <laughs> save, save a nickel, Walt. <laughs> Walt himself uh, a stab at damn Walt, you cheap. No. <laughs> you cheap fuck. <laughs> um, since Arnold got a since Arnold got a earful of Helga's life, do you think Arnold is more sympathetic about her behavior since he knows how rough her home life is? And that's from Samuel. Mar I can read that one, Samuel Martinez. Yeah. Yeah, a good question. Yeah, that's intentional. Um, he's supposed to just, Helga's awful, and she, over the course of as many episodes as we could get, which turned out to be, you know, 100 half hours, so almost 200 stories, Arnold's supposed to just slowly learn her backstory, whether she tells him or he finds out on his own, and it's he's supposed to just, well, he's a very empathetic kid, and he has a lot of He's a pretty generous soul, so mm -hmm. he he would figure it out better than most. But still, those were intended to make him, you know, get to know the real Helga, and 
he he knows. I mean, he's he's a kind of a dunce. He doesn't know that she loves him, but he kind of knows that she loves him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Beautiful man. Um, this one's from Mr. Tommy Pickles. Uh, he wants to know. Ask him if he's ever celebrated the 4th of July on Thanksgiving. Fireworks, turkey, and football is a great combination. <laughs> I have. I have, Let me think. Have I ever shot off fireworks on 4th of July? I mean, on, on Thanksgiving. No, nah, probably because, as you know, Arnold was made in my adult life here living in Southern California where fireworks in the city are illegal. Yeah. Tuck and I actually one time shot off bottle rockets in front of my house on New Year's. Yeah. The cops came in about one fucking minute jesus christ and we both we had tuck had this like launcher made out of a coat hanger and he'd he'd made one for me and he'd made one for him we shot off the first two they went over the houses across the street and exploded the cops arrived instantly we chucked our shooters into the bushes and then we said i said to the cop yeah i heard that too i think it was on the next block and the cop looked at me like this i know it was you And he, he looked at me for a really long time, and I was like, oh, God, I'm in trouble. And then they just said, all right, and drove away. <laughs> and we were like, shit, man, you can't fire, fire fireworks anywhere. <laughs> I also tried to shoot fireworks on, on New Year's from Joe and Solibahar's house in Glendale, and a helicopter came. Jesus Christ. So, oh my so it's gosh. like, man, don't shoot off fireworks in L.A. County. It's a terrible idea. Well, oh, if you ever come to North Carolina, we're a little bit nicer about fireworks. <laughs> yeah, where I'm from in Washington <laughs> State, I can't believe that Washington hasn't just burned down. They're firing <laughs> off fireworks in the woods all night long. Oh man, I Roman candle jousting! Break off the stick of of the, the bottle rockets, and then we light them, and then we toss them in the air. Then, <laughs> and it felt so cool to see that happen. And then my little brother <laughs> didn't know what he was doing. And waited too long to flip it, so he just kind of like tossed it in the air, and then it turns around and shot right back at him. And I'm like, "No, we can't, we can't do this anymore." Yeah, you messed it up, man. <laughs> That's really Fucked true. The, the the yeah, I mean, it, horseplay leads to tears, as uh, Mr. Simmons is fond of saying. <laughs> we used to we saw it we saw it on Jackass. I can't remember if it was the TV show or the movie, but they were using Roman candles and shooting them at each other. So we decided in our infinite wisdom in Florida, when we're going through a horrible dry season to ride our skateboards down the hill, one up the hill, one down the hill. And we were fucking Roman candle jousting with each other. I don't know if you've ever gotten hit by a Roman candle. It hurts. (laughs) It hurts. Oh, yeah. It caught me in the ankle. I was uh, never the same after. I never wanted to play with the firework again, man. Um this is from Will555. Not a question, but please thank him for making a show that influenced so many of us so strongly and still brings us comfort almost 30 years after its beginning. The funny moments still hit me just as hard, and the heavy moments only hit me harder as I get older. Thank you. That was from Will555. Will555, you're welcome. I, I got to go back to the fireworks because you mentioned the Roman candles. Uh, I, I always wanted to work in film, and I did get to uh, earlier in my life. Uh, but we made like a short film where I was Harry Potter and I had a Roman <laughs> candle as my wand. And I literally aim. And I ended up aiming at my little brother who was playing uh, Naruto, which is from an anime. And so it's like ninja versus wizard. <laughs> and oh my goodness. I, yeah, he did not like the Roman candles coming at him. I that can definitely, imagine. Definitely put a squash on his acting career. What does your Harry Potter sound like? 
So there's an Uh-oh. evolution. There's an evolution. <laughs> so when I first tried doing the English accent, I could not. So I would try to do Hermione Major. Oh, Wes, we're expelled. And it was, it was awful. And then, so I was in a play where these two women were writing a novel. And I was the character they were creating. And at first, I was a hunchback. And then I go to an Englishman. And then a Southern gentleman. And then back to an Englishman. And so, of course, I sounded like a, a, a freaking Cockney five-year-old. It was terrible. <laughs> so my teacher was like, hey, we're getting ready to go on spring break. Can you just watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Just do that for me. Okay. And literally watch it. And immediately I was like, are you suggesting that coconuts migrate? <laughs> and it was just immediate click. And I, oh my gosh. Beautiful, so, so yeah, my Harry Potter was like, Explain all this, and it was, it was like you think you can get multiple shadow clone jutsu away from me. I felt that I felt that one, Ty. <laughs> that one hit me home. Uh, Ill excitement four three four two wants to know where is Mister Simmons' dad, and does he have other friends? And by other friends, he means Mister Simmons. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure if we'd have gotten to it, we'd meet his parents, and you know get get his backstory too but you know they 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 really in my mind most of these characters only have the potential for existing and they only would exist it, and it, you know it, it's like you you basically do what the production needs and when the production mm-hmm. needs uh those episodes then you do it so i don't know man i haven't met i haven't met simmons parents and i i i i i love the simmons character i i would keep him in in the Arnold universe if we got to do more seasons and maybe we'd find out. Well, I got a question for you. Was there any character that was created for the show that was based off of someone you knew in real life? Yeah. Yeah. My cousin, Joey, my, I love my cousin, Joey. He was, we were, we hung a lot when we were at that tender age, that kind of Arnold age. And Joey, uh, uh, was, smaller than me and he had a a tendency to kind of like hilariously panic and so sid is kind of based on joey although joey was much more handsome than sid (laughs) (laughs) the character designs were never like the people i knew obviously the the uh the character designs are much more radical and so is everything else you know we we would take the tiniest influence i mean the only story in the whole run that really, really is me trying to do an episode about something that happened, really, is um, the field trip episode because we set a turtle free one time. Oh, please tell this story. I've, I've never heard this one. Uh, I was working at Will Vinton's. So I was doing claymation with that tiny crew. And Joan Gratz, who's won a couple Oscars, by the way, for her wonderful claymation films. Uh, Joan Gratz came to work and said, I was up in Seattle and bought a turtle a big turtle um, in this Chinese pet store that was really stinky and horrible. And she bought the turtle literally because she felt so sorry for it sitting in this horrible little pet store in Chinatown. And then she, we were like, well, what'd you do? And she said, I made a kind of an environment for it. And the, there's a little, she lived in a kind of a courtyard apartment that had a little pond in the middle and she'd made a little environment for it and put out what she thought would be good turtle food and and she said after two weeks she said 
it won't even come out of its shell. It's just sitting there like it's dead. I, and I, I, I'm, and I was like, well, maybe it needs to be in like a real environment. She's like, well, at lunchtime, if I bring the turtle, you want to try to take it out? And we took it out to a place on Sylvie's Island, which is on the Columbia River north of Portland. And there's a lake called Square Lake in the middle of Sylvie's Island. And the, there were about four of us from work or five of us drove out in the car at lunchtime. And sure enough, man, the, the turtle was just in, it retracted all the way into the shell, all leg, feet, and, and head. And we took it down to the edge of Square Lake and set it in the mud. And and we were all standing there like, is it going to move? What's going to happen? And while we watched, its head just like came out of the shell like, <laughs> and it looked one way and looked the other. And it just shot into the lake like out of a cannon. Just like, boom. And we all screamed. We all were like, whoa. And then it, 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 we were staring at the water. And then way out, 50 feet out, 100 feet out, it, it surfaced. And you could see its head look around, like look at us. And then it ducked under again, and we never saw it again. And we just were like, just on the shore, just like jumping up and down, cheering, like, yay, we we set the turtle free. And so that I wanted that, the, you know, and of course, that's nothing like field trip. But just that moment of setting a, setting a wild animal free, rescuing it from a place where it was being living a terrible life and then setting it free, regardless of the consequences. Some people will point out like, oh, my God, the, the turtle would never survive being dumped into industrial hillwood. Uh, you know, that, that would be an unsurvivable situation. But I mean, I'm the, once again, I'm like, come on, man, we're making cartoons here. This isn't reality. This is a, kind of a heightened state of, you know. Wait, who was trying to give realism to the show? Yeah, there's, there is, it is, it's, it's ironically, since I always use that argument that it's just a cartoon and, and that's why things don't make sense. It's also a surprisingly uh, realistic cartoon compared to the other cartoons. Hey, Arnold has way more kind of realistic grounding than any of the other Nicktoons, for example. And that's just the way I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a place that felt like um, would be recognizable to kids growing up in North American cities. Absolutely was, man. Uh, we got uh, two more here. Um uh skib boy wanted to know can you ask if through the series grandpa became more friendly and goofy was there internal discussion to make grandpa more friendly it seemed from the start for example such as the snow day episode grandpa was a typical mean old man but as the episodes progressed he turned into a very funny spirited grandpa that's a great question thank you mm -hmm. whoever asked that um uh Yes, the Snow Day episode, which I take responsibility for, because I think Rachel and I wrote Snow Day, uh, we were still experimenting. Grandpa being kind of a hard ass trying to make Arnold do stuff was like we were just taking a stab at that. Like, what mm -hmm. if what if Grandpa's like telling me he needs a better work ethic and he's kind of old fashioned? And uh, the truth is that as we looked at Arnold's world, um, grandma being so kind of loopy and not really in reality, it may put more responsibility on grandpa 
you know, grandma was going to be kind of playing her characters and being kind of like she was out of her mind. So kind of put even more uh, responsibility on grandpa to keep Arnold cheerful. And so it's some of those first season that go to grandpa for advice are a little harsh, you know, (laughs) he tells Arnold some pretty terrible. He tells him an anecdote. that's like, God, grandpa, what's your point? He's like, the point is, you know, everything sucks. And, and (laughs) we, we thought maybe let's make grandpa a warmer character. And, and, you know, Dan Castellaneta really stepped up. And I think the, if you think of the grandpa from say parents day or, or the grandpa from remember the one where he thinks he's going to die and and he's when he turns 81 he's going to he's going to die um if you look at that grandpa he's a lot more just delightful he's really funny and he's he's kind of trying to keep arnold going he's 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 there to kind of keep keep joking and make arnold smile and I think that was like Arnold. It was it was us trying to make Grandpa step up to the challenge that Arnold doesn't have his mom and dad, and Grandma's kind of out to lunch. Somebody's got to be like, I'm here, you know, I got yeah. it. And and so yeah, the 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 natural warmth of Dan and us trying to write Grandpa sweeter as we went is that that combined to make where he went. And always, I was always fighting it. I remember Purdy wrote. Some stuff with the very end. Joe and I wrote uh, uh, the episode where the Packard gets stolen, and Grandpa's a little mean to Pookie. Mm-hmm. He kind of dismisses her, and I, I remember going, uh, "I guess I'll keep that." But Joe would tend to write it where Grandpa kind of it was a little. It was the two of them would kind of have at it, and Grandpa would be a little mean to Grandma, and I, I and I I almost regret that. I mean, it's, it seems fine, but when I look at it now, I'm like, "Geez, Grandpa." you know, she's your wife. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick, Grandpa. <laughs> so we got uh, two for the price of one here. So uh, these people liked the these two characters in particular and would love to know a little bit more about them. Um, <clears throat> the first character being, uh, where did the idea of Big Patty come from? I love the episode about her. I found Helga versus Big Patty really funny. And the other part was, what inspired you to create Stinky Peterson? His accent has been making me laugh since I was a little kid. So big fans of uh, Stinky and Big Patty. Where do they? Stinky how do they come Big into Patty. the fold? I just had dinner with Danielle Judovich last night. I just had yeah. dinner with Big Patty last night, and she's doing fine, by the way. Good. I'm um, glad to hear that. Uh, Big Patty started with we, we were always joe and solomon hair and steve vixton and i were the core group that started the writing of the show in the season one joe purdy joined us late in season one and uh, joe and solomon hair peeled off to go off and make uh uh a recess recess for disney but in that initial core group me and joe and steve were always trying to figure out like okay so the dynamic is helga secretly loves arnold but wouldn't it be funny if there were people along the way that learned her secret? Not Arnold, save Arnold for like the movie, mm-hmm. but but like it would be fun for Helga to have to reveal that she loves Arnold one by one. Phoebe gets one. Um, Doctor Bliss, the therapist, gets one, and Big Patty goes. I kind of have a feeling you like that guy, and she's like, No, no, I don't, I don't. And Patty's like, Uh huh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so. Patty is suspicion confirmed. Yeah, <laughs> she's a 
she's a really cool character because she's a, a big bully and people think she, they, you know, she's not the most attractive person and people, people kind of write her office as like a big dumb bully and Helga worst of all. And the, it was a kind of a cool story. Steve wrote that first uh, Patty episode. And I think he also wrote the one where um, Harold and Patty, where Harold mm -hmm. meets, meets Patty at the party and they become boyfriend and girlfriend in a, a very limited way. But I'll, I'll talk about both of them. The first one was Steve going, wouldn't it be funny if Helga is going off about, because it's that thing where you're, you're, you're putting someone down and then all of a sudden they're right behind you. Which is, yeah. by the way, that's my superpower. Um, <laughs> but, Your superpower is saying something as they're right behind you, or pop up right behind them as they say something. I'm He's I'm the one them. saying it, and then they walk up. I'm like, oh hi, you know. And they'd be like, yeah, Patty, what an idiot. Oh hi, Patty. Um, so that was what that was about. Helga having to have a fight, and then uh, Arnold uh, coming to the rescue by talking to Patty, and Patty going, hey, that, that Arnold guy. He seems like a pretty cool guy. Uh, you like him or anything? And Helga's like, "What? No, no, of course not." And she's like, "Yeah, okay." But that was just—it was—it was written for that reason. But it kind of created Big Patty, the character, to do that. And then we had her, and then we thought she and Harold would be great together. They just—they'd mm -hmm. be a nice match. She could bring out Harold's tender side, and he could do the same. And uh, honestly, that was Steve again going. Remember that movie, Marty? Starring, um, God, what's it? Ernest Borgnine, the guy. Ernest Borgnine was uh, the star, and he, I think he might have even won the Oscar for Marty. This is like an early 50s film. Just shows what our influences were. We were watching old movies, and we were fans of old movies, black and white movies, 70s movies, you know, the new Hollywood. And, and Steve watched TV. He knew all the TV shows as well. And I, I didn't watch as much TV as Steve, but the the three of us original writers had that in common we were movie buffs and and uh he said wouldn't it be cool there's a scene in marty where ernest borgnine does what harold does at the end he takes the abuse and takes the abuse and denies that he cares about the unattractive girl and then he he's had it sid and stinky are sitting there making fun of patty and he knows it's wrong you know he can't he can't let this ride he can't let them talk that way about this girl that he really cares about. And so he blows up and explodes and he grabs them both and says, you know, if you don't shut up, I'm going to, you know, smash both of you together. And, mm -hmm. and, and they, and they're terrified and, and he wins. And then he says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to go over and sit with Patty. And then he goes over and says, you know, Patty, I'm sorry. Can I sit with you? And she's like, yes please be quiet Harold, or whatever she says. <laughs> but, but that, that's, that was the origin of Patty. Steve, Steve kind of thought of her for that, that first episode where, where we meet her. And then once we had her, then Steve wanted to, uh, uh, bring her back. Marty bit, you know, do a quote from a favorite movie, which is, the Arnold series and the movies are full of, we're always quoting whenever I can, I'm trying to put mm -hmm. something that I that I love from from an old movie or something and and you know you could I at one time I even made a list I don't know where it, where it went but all the influences that were in the first Arnold movie giant ass list of movie quotes and and uh, and bits. Well, now I want to cool. see that list. <laughs> I know, me too. I don't know where it is. 
<laughs> and then yeah. you had uh, Stinky Peterson was the other one. Oh yeah, Stinky. Uh, Stinky's me. I want. I mean, and I, I'm not. It's not a portrait of me, but I, I was the one who who needed a Stinky character. I remember in the pilot, I designed most of that squad. You know, the the kind of twelve kid squad that is the essential. Uh, hey Arnold, twelve kids, and I designed most of them. I'm Tuck did Curly because uh, we were we oh, just needed a I couple more characters in the back. Um, but Stinky, I mean, Sid was going to be really short and have that long wiener nose and the ears stuck <laughs> out. And 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 I mean, Sid was and Stinky was going to be super tall like a weed and have that crazy beak. I love to draw Stinky. He's one of my favorite characters to draw, and uh, I, you know, I could I could doodle Stinky without even looking. And it it's just that's really what he's about. And then we did backstory for Stinky when Joe Purdy wrote the one the the giant pumpkin one. Mm. So that's a great moment when Arnold's over at his little weird cabin, and they're in the hall, and there's a bunch of photos on the wall in frames, and the camera just moves from frame to frame as Stinky tells the story about how they came from Arkansas. And so, yeah, there was another, that's another great example. Stinky just sitting there being stinky till probably season three or four. I don't know. Stinky's pumpkin might even be a, I think it's season four. And so finally we, here we get the backstory. We meet everybody. He's got an uncle and dad and, and uh, you, you go, yeah, we added these characters and gave them names and stuff because now we need them. And until then, Sid has no last name. <laughs> <laughs> he might have one in this claymation Halloween episode. We're going to try to get names. <laughs> yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, good... make sure you write Nickelodeon. Yeah, like, hey, you know, I'm going to, if I do this, I got to give the kids this, this, and this. That's what I told them when I, I said the jungle movie when I pitched it in 2015 or 14. And we were, they, you know, now they were like, oh, we're back. Let's make some Arnold stuff. I'm like, okay, we got to make the jungle movie. That's got to be the first thing. And these are the things that I, I, the fans want. What's his last name? Um, how does he really feel about Helga? And uh, what happened to his parents? And so, I just would make that you, promise and do it. Let me ask you this, because like it feels like almost every Nicolette IP has a jungle movie. Because like you had Rugrats jungle movie. You had, uh, I guess, why am I speaking on the other one? There was the other one I can't think of. The Wild like Thornberries. The Wild Thornberries, yes. Yeah, that was kind of a, a permanent jungle movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but it was it was just one of <laughs> things where there were so many jungle themed movies. It was like, was that just a a push? It was like, hey, can we do more jungle content? Nobody asked for that when I when I when when I when I was developing the jungle movie, we'd made Parents Day where we find out that the parents kind of like reside in in the tropics, working to kind of help help people in the most remote parts of the world, kind of as doctors and scientists. And, uh, you know, do-gooders. And uh, so that jungle setting was why they were there. And so I thought, well, they're lost there in the jungle. We should go um, We should go to the jungle and we'll call it the jungle movie. That'll be just like the short shorthand for what, what that project is. And then when I, you know, came back in 2014 or 15 and, and they said, let's, let's try rebooting Hey Arnold. I said, well, we'd have to do the jungle movie first. And they literally were like, what jungle movie? What are you talking about? And so I <laughs> I kind of put together a kind of an Arnold 101 PowerPoint that explained how 
that's where we inevitably had to go. And they said, okay. But I remember when I, when the jungle movie, when I knew the deal was, was the fix was in, we were going to make it. I, I, on social media, I posted the picture and said, it said the jungle movie. And I said, it's on, we're, we're going to make it. And, and Nickelodeon social got really mad at me. They were like, Hey, you can't do unauthorized posts. We don't even know if it's going to be called the jungle movie. Well, you better said, figure this out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, they, that came from, that just came from the, the vernacular. So we called it that out of convenience for years. And then it, then it became uh you know, all I had to do after the show got canceled and social media kind of took off and I did a lot of interviews. Everybody was like, he's got a thing called the jungle movie and it hasn't been made. And it's going to answer these questions that we have. And, 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 you know, we have to write petitions to Nickelodeon. So the jungle movie kind of grew in, in the, the, the kind of myth of it grew and grew. And, and that's, Social media. That's man. how we get the Halloween special. Yeah. <laughs> Claymation <laughs> Halloween, man. Let's keep it going. Craig, make an unauthorized Halloween. post. Make make an unauthorized <laughs> post about Claymation Halloween. All right, man. This is the uh, final, final, last one, man. Uh, the last time you were on, you, you shared a really beautiful story about Tuck and his dog Bruno and a shit sandwich. So I don't... <laughs> I'm not so much asking you for a shit sandwich story again, um, but there is a guy that we talked about um, the last time you were on. And I think he is a huge part of um, Hey Arnold. He's a huge part of a lot of Nickelodeon. But Steve, uh, sadly, he's no longer here, man. But when you think of Steve, is there like one story you think about whenever you hear that name, whether it's production, whether it was outside of Arnold Band? But what do you think about when you think of Steve? Steve Vixton, the Mm. great Steve Vixton. Another R.I.P. Steve Vixton. Uh, Steve. I, know, I had known Steve. I met Steve and Joe and Saul hair on, on season one of Rugrats. They came in. They were the first writers to come in and pitch to me and Paul Germain. I was a story editor and Paul was showrunner, basically. And uh, Steve and Joe came in and we instantly bonded. You know, Joe and I started talking about old movies and stuff. I was like, I love this guy. I hang out with this guy. And architecture, Joe loved to take me out to weird mid-century moderns in in la and and say hey hey we got a minute let's just like take this road there's a great you know schindler house up this hill and then an hour later (laughs) we come back from a super long lunch but steve and joe were partners and steve in his early days was was a a, quite a a handsome fellow Mm -hmm. and i remember we used to go out to lunch and steve would always charm the waitress he would go He'd, he'd want to refill up the coffee and the waitress would come back around and go, did you make this coffee? And the woman would always go, yes. And he'd go, it's very good. <laughs> they, always, <laughs> they always were really moved. You could tell they were like, oh, he recognizes that I worked hard to make that pot of coffee. Um, so yeah, Steve was quite a charmer in the early days. And then he became progressively weirder as the years went on. And, and, uh, you know, it became more of a kind of a a loner, more and more eccentric as the years went on. But uh, he was deeply, deeply into uh, being involved with helping make Hey Arnold. He he took it very seriously, and you could tell every time it was one of his stories. And his stories, you can think I can think of a million of them. But school play, uh, 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 monkey business. Um, what was the one 
Oh, I love it. The parrot, which wasn't even Steve's story. We all worked on the parrot. But I remember Steve uh, wanting to come sit on the cut, which, you know, the writers didn't have to do that. The writers could just be in their office working on their scripts. But Steve liked to be involved in the the post process of when uh, our editor, Chris Hink, would cut the picture down to 11 minutes exactly. And that was always a lot of give and take. You had to figure out um, what do we have to lose to make it to 11? We're going to have to cut something. What are we going to cut? And Steve would be in on it, man, right to the frame. And we'd, me, Steve, and the editor, Chris, would, it would be like a giant conversation. And his dedication to the the pace and the flow of Hey Arnold um, is really felt. When I look at it now, I can remember something that Steve was in on that uh, he didn't have to. He just, he cared, he cared about the finished product a lot. And his, his writing is unique. It's not like anybody else's. I can always tell a Steve script because they're unique. They're like him. And they, they, he brought a lot of things to the show that, that probably wouldn't be there if he hadn't been there. Beautiful, man. Um, give me one second. All right, we're back, man. Thank you for sharing those stories. And Craig, as always, thank you for a great childhood. Thank you for an amazing show. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, where well, can the fans go and uh, find you if they want to say, Craig, I'm I like that. on Instagram at Craig Bartlett on Instagram. And uh, that's where, that where I do it because that's kind of the only the only place where I want to put that kind of energy. And even that, you're sometimes wondering, like, why? But I, <laughs> I, do, I do it because I know that the people who follow me like Hey Arnold more than anything else that I've ever done. And once in a while, I'll make a reference to my other projects, but it almost doesn't matter because they just like Arnold. And it, 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 it's keeping it, keeping it alive is, is good for the, the show as well, because, you know, one of these days they might, Nickelodeon might decide to make more stuff and it would probably be because there's a dedicated fan base that loves it. And well, uh, you also, speaking of this particular episode, didn't you post like a like a, a footage that wasn't used where it's like behind the scenes of the play where like after they do their bow everything falls down i think may have i've got because yeah i've got uh art from the show especially the first three seasons one through 60 parents day being the last of that run where we hadn't gone digital yet so it was all analog shot you know handmade and shot on film and so I have a lot of art from the first three seasons of Hey Arnold that if I if I show I like to show behind the scenes because people dig that the most. People love people love behind the scenes. They, they want to peek behind the curtain. Yeah, uh, they do. They want to see what's going on, man. Ty, where can the fans go and find you, ladies and gentlemen? This is my favorite, not my podcast. Ty and Sean's podcast is my favorite <laughs> podcast out there. I laugh so hard when you guys are recording, man. Where can they find you guys at? I mean, anywhere that you download your podcast. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Sprint. I don't know what they have. But anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us at Whiskey Lodian. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to want to follow both Craig and Ty and Sean with Whiskey Lodian. Like I said, it's a hilarious podcast. Craig, man, as always, uh, thank you again for coming on. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's been Craig. He's been Ty. I've been Julian. It's been a What's in My Head podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. And this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Cheers. Let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for.
I'm- hey guys, thanks for listening. Before we go, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with the podcast today. I truly appreciate every download and listen we get. If you're liking what we're doing, drop us a five-star rating, drop us a review, tell a friend, and I'll see you next week.